0: Hey, I'm Steph. I'm Alex. And this is Not Today.
1: And we're live. Hello. How are you?
0: I'm great. How are you?
1: Good. You feeling good to be back?
0: Hell yeah. We're back in LA. Last week, everyone's Spotify wrapped came out. Can we just take a moment to appreciate that?
1: I took a moment.
0: Oh, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's what I was waiting for. The uh, Yeah. You well, understand. Uh,
1: yes. <laughs> but. I don't know. It's really cool. It seems like a lot of people have us in their wraps.
0: Yeah, I'm I. I love seeing everyone's uh, top podcasts and like we're in the top five, whatever. Shout out to those of you who have us for number one. There was quite a bit.
1: Really? Yeah. Okay, I didn't see the full extent of it. Oh, there but was... I saw our stats or whatever you posted.
0: Oh yeah, yeah. That was really cool too. Seeing we're in like the top one percent of ooh, whatever. We who cares? We are the one no,
1: percent, <laughs> guys. No,
0: that was actually really cool, but um actually it was kind of funny i like looked at my own spotify wrapped to see what my top podcasts were and it's a little bit embarrassing because they were all white noise <laughs> not not all of them like i had i had one or two other actual podcasts but like three out of the five were white noise because i am a baby and i cannot sleep without rain in the background
1: <laughs> I know. well it helps me too yeah
0: it's great check it out if you have trouble sleeping guys <laughs> Retweet. Yeah, literally. No, but truly, thank you so much to everyone who is out there listening to us. We truly appreciate you and wouldn't be here without you. So, you know, it's it's always nice to have a quick sec to give a little appreciation.
1: Yeah, it's almost like there's just a holiday for that.
0: Right. We're a little bit thankful even. I know. Maybe We're riding we's...
1: off that thank.
0: Yeah. The thankfulness is continuing on. So here we are. Did you look at your Spotify wrapped?
1: Yeah, it was... <laughs> Unsurprisingly, EDM. I don't yeah. think that I looked at the podcasts Wrapped. Mm. I'm a boomer and couldn't find it, okay. and I don't care that you, much.
0: You only have a podcast.
1: <laughs> I know. <laughs> I, I don't know. I didn't really. It took me more than immediately to find it, so I didn't.
0: Yeah, that's I fair. Went to Lo-Fi Beats. That's fair. Our internet went out today for like maybe 30 minutes and the entire time I thought I was going to spontaneously combust because I couldn't have what I needed in the the exact moment that I searched it. So I do get that. Yeah. Anyway, shall we jump into this week's story?
1: Let us jump in.
0: Let us. Yeah, we're gonna...
1: (laughs) Should it be like church? Let us jump in. Let us. You were like, let us pray. And also with you. And also with you.
0: (laughs) Yeah, no. um... And
1: I jump with you too.
0: Sure. Okay, so... We're having fun, but this story is intense, and I did want to put that out there at the top because we're having we're having fun. We're being a little bit, what, jovial? Is that a word? Can I say that That's word? a good word. Thank you very much, but I do want to say that this story is extremely intense, and we need to prepare ourselves a little bit. Okay, Shall so maybe we? we dial it back. Let's dial it back, just a little bit. So this week, we're going to be talking about Ashley Reeves. In 2006, 17-year-old Ashley Reeves was a junior in high school. She grew up in an idyllic family. She lived at home with her parents, Mike and Michelle, as well as her younger sister, Casey, in Milstead, Illinois. She was funny and bright, an excellent student, and overall, a really good daughter. She didn't really give her parents any trouble. She was very motivated, had lots of friends. She was a hard worker and dedicated to her schoolwork. Her younger sister, Casey, also looked up to her. So 10 out of 10, 17-year-old. You know? I
1: mean, does she do anything wrong? Like She'd go crazy on a Saturday, get some ice cream.
0: According to everyone else. Is that it? According to everyone, she was pretty sweet. Let's just leave it at that. So at that time, everything was going really well for Ashley. She was really looking forward to graduating the following year, and she had a steady boyfriend, Jeremy Smith, who she had been dating for almost two years at that point. On April 27, 2006, at around 3.30 p.m., Ashley had left home for a job interview in Fairview Heights, which was a town around 15 miles away. And to get there, she drove her boyfriend's SUV. The plan was for Ashley to do this interview and then go play some basketball. Ashley really loved basketball. She was a really great athlete and would regularly go play with friends in her free time. Now, 10 p.m. was Ashley's curfew and when she didn't come home, her parents started asking Casey if she had heard anything from her sister. They wanted to know how her interview had gone, if she had gotten the job, and most importantly, where she was. Because Ashley never missed curfew. But Casey hadn't heard from Ashley, and after reaching out to a few of her friends, they learned that none of Ashley's friends had heard from her either. So when 10.30 rolled around and Ashley still wasn't home, there was instant concern. Ashley's mother knew something wasn't right, so she called the police department in a panic. Now, teenagers do go missing sometimes and then turn back up. Either they lost track of time or they're doing something they shouldn't be doing. It's pretty common for police to not take calls like this too seriously until that 24-hour mark. But chief of Swansea Police, Steven Johnson, felt that something was off as well, based off of the panic in Ashley's mother's voice. But most concerning was the fact that none of Ashley's friends had heard from her either, because it's not that unusual for a teenager to ignore messages from their family, but usually they answer friends pretty instantly. If Ashley was out partying, of course, she was not going to answer her mom, but she'd probably answer another friend. So this was a definite red flag. And eight hours later, when still no one had heard from Ashley, police were concerned for her safety, to say the least.
1: What day of the week is it?
0: It was a Thursday.
1: So it's a school night? Yes. I don't know. Do people party on Thursdays in high school? I feel like I never did that.
0: No, I didn't do that. This is like
1: highly unlikely that she's out partying right?
0: Yeah. I mean, thirsty Thursday is a thing, but it definitely definitely wasn't a thing for me in high school. I mean, I wasn't partying period, so I don't know, but people do party on Thursdays, but it was a school night. So people were, police were definitely concerned. Yeah. Police put out a notice to all of the other local police departments in the area to notify them about this potentially missing young woman. Around that time as well, they located Ashley's boyfriend's car. It was found at Latterman Park in Belleville, only about 15 minutes from her home. This was obviously concerning because this car was abandoned only 15 minutes away from her home, so where was Ashley? According to Ashley's friends, Latterman Park was a place where Ashley would sometimes go to play basketball. And when they looked into the car, they found Ashley's clothes for her interview as well as her basketball clothes. And after searching the area, still, there was no
1: sign of Ashley. Wait, the- what clothes was she wearing then?
0: So I guess she had a change of clothes for both the interview and for basketball. So she had casual clothes, interview clothes, and basketball
1: clothes. Okay, so she's in her casual clothes. That's what I'm assuming, yes.
0: The answer is yes, she was in her casual clothes.
1: Piecing it together?
0: Yeah, for no, for sure. This was a very bad sign, and police started ramping up their search. They started questioning people in Ashley's life, asking when they had last seen her. They started looking into Jeremy as well and fact-checking where he had said he had been because as we know, it's always the boyfriend, it's always the husband, you know, it's the obvious first choice.
1: Well, I mean, she, either they both were taken or he was the last person that saw her.
0: Jeremy is not missing.
1: Oh, he's not missing. No. But I thought it was his car.
0: Yeah, she drove his car, but she borrowed it.
1: Oh, okay.
0: Yeah. So the following day, April 28th, Jeremy was brought in for an interview. And you can tell in the interview that this kid was very genuine and truly had no idea where Ashley was. Jeremy was a parent's dream. He was wholesome, kind, and clearly loved Ashley. In his interview, he told police the last time he had seen Ashley was the evening of her father's birthday, which was when he would have given Ashley his car. That way, she could drive to her interview. And as far as he was concerned, they were fully committed to each other and said they basically saw each other every single day. For police, it was clear very early into Jeremy's interview that he was innocent and very quickly eliminated him as a possible suspect he also had an alibi so there's that but he also was very genuine i did watch the interview and was like oh this is just like a very sweet young man so people can lie but he wasn't
1: probably no he wasn't
0: (laughs) he was great he's fine but something he said in his interview did shed some light on the situation he told the investigator that ashley had planned on playing basketball in belleville after her interview which was pretty odd to police, because why would she be going to play basketball in a park kind of in the middle of nowhere when there were plenty of other places around her home and her school? So that was a bit strange. Police started talking to everyone they could, family, classmates, neighbors, and of course, Ashley's friends. And as they spoke to Ashley's friends, it became clear what might have been going on. One of Ashley's friends told police that Ashley would often meet an older man to play basketball with. This was someone they all knew. 27-year-old Samson
1: Shelton. 27?
0: Yeah, a quick 10-year difference. Oh boy. Yeah. Sam was the driver's ed and gym teacher at Ashley's rival high school. So not only 10-year difference, but he's a teacher. At Freeburg High. And he lived in the area with his mom and his grandmother. He was also an aspiring pro wrestler, calling himself the teacher as well. So he had an athletic build, bright blue eyes, and he knew he was good looking. Let's be honest. He and was...
1: he knew he was a pedophile.
0: Well, yeah, he, technically. Yeah, technically? I mean. I guess. I mean, she's 17. She's not seven, you know, but still creepy as hell. For sure. You know? He knew
1: he was a creep.
0: Yeah. No, he's definitely a creep. No argument there. He was, and also, I want to make it very clear I am not pro Sam (laughs) Shelton. I just want to make that very clear. He was charming, and all of the kids in the school knew him as the cute student teacher, everyone had a crush on him. According to friends, it was pretty clear that something might have been going on between Sam and Ashley. However, Jeremy said in his interview with police that Sam was a friend, and he trusted him. Even though Sam would regularly call Ashley while she was with Jeremy, he definitely didn't suspect anything between the two of them. And said that he didn't mind that they were friendly because he trusted Ashley, and their friendship was none of his business, which is very chill of him.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's a sweet boy, but that does seem a tad naive, no?
0: I mean, yeah, maybe. But... I don't
1: know. It just, like, what is a 27-year-old teacher doing being friends with a 17-year-old? Right. Like... Super weird. You gotta ask some questions here.
0: Yeah, no, definitely weird. He also said, like, I mean, he said he was with Ashley every single day, and... Like he said, two to three times a week, Ashley would take a call from Sam and like walk away from him. So he he wasn't concerned because he trusted his girlfriend of two years and he trusted his friend, but it was definitely frequent.
1: Weird. I mean, it gets weirder.
0: Yeah, you know, it's super weird. As all of this was happening, Ashley's family realized that Ashley's phone was in her mother's name meaning they could get all of her phone records to see who she had been talking with before she disappeared. So within these first 24 hours, the phone company released the phone records to the family, which is incredibly smart. I mean, hats off to them. But so they started calling all of the numbers that was on this list, and they saw that one number in particular was popping up much more than the others. So Michelle called it, and guess who answered? Sam Shelton. That night, Sam had been caught on camera at Wild Country Dance Club, dancing the night away. She asked if Sam had heard from Ashley, but he told her no, he hadn't. She then asked how Sam knew her daughter, and after that, he hung up. She didn't think too much of that, though, because she thought... Because she just figured he hadn't heard her question and was just hanging up the phone since the conversation had already completed. So she's like, oh, he just didn't hear me.
1: I mean, these... These people always just assume the best. I'm already at like, he's a pedo.
0: Well, yeah, he's not, he's not a good guy for sure. But Sam and Ashley's relationship wasn't as innocent as Jeremy had believed because Ashley told her friends that she was in fact romantically involved with an older man. Not only that, but Jeremy's car had been found at a park not far from Sam Shelton's home. So the following day, April 28th, the day after Ashley's disappearance, police pulled Sam out of baseball practice for an interview, because at this point, he was their strongest lead. This interview would go on to last 12 hours.
1: 12 hours?
0: Yes. Sam started out the interview very friendly and cooperative with police. He told them that despite what Ashley had said to her friends, their relationship was completely platonic. He told them he would give her a hug goodbye, but that's not sexual, right? Nothing like that ever happened. Not only that, but according to Sam, he had been trying to dodge Ashley in the past week because he was concerned she had become obsessed with him because he's borderline narcissistic. Not that I can, you know, say what he has or what he doesn't, but he's a little self-obsessed. Let's just put it like that. He reported that Ashley was calling him non-stop at that point, and he didn't want to be a part of it.
1: You can verify that with the phone logs. Was she calling him, or was he calling her?
0: I don't have that information, but I'm assuming it was him calling her, from what
1: I do know. Yeah, so you'd be like, that's bullshit.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was just, he was spouting bullshit left and right. So from the bat, police felt like Sam knew way more than he was letting on in the beginning of this interview, He felt manipulative, even though he was being cooperative. It felt like he just was playing along in hopes that everything would go away. But as the interview went on, the police started asking questions about the statements Ashley's friends had made about their relationship. They also told Sam that some of Ashley's friends had reported that Ashley had told them she was planning on meeting up with Sam on the day she disappeared. And because of this, Sam's story started to change. That was when he confessed his and Ashley's relationship had gone further than just a goodbye hug. A lot further. Originally, he had said they were just friends who played basketball together. Then he said he wanted a relationship with her. He said they had never kissed, but then he told them that they had sex in the back of his car. He quickly followed that bombshell by saying he felt terrible afterward and nothing happened other than that. And also like, does he think it makes it better that he, they didn't kiss? Like, is that more intimate to him than like sex in the back of his car? Like, I'm confused. He was like, we never kissed, but we did have sex in the back of my car. What?
1: Yeah, I don't know. This feels like you're trying to claim you're not wet after you jumped in. You L- know? Literally. Like, what? Um,
0: <laughs> you have no words.
1: I mean, do you think it's better that nothing happened after that? No. Like, you're already lying. Who cares if you kissed or not?
0: Right. And also, he's already changing up his story, which makes everything else he said potentially a lie. Like, you can't trust this account that nothing else happened because he's already been lying so it's like okay
1: yeah show me the alibi (laughs) well or the lack thereof
0: right so after telling police all this crap then his story was that he was trying to break off the relationship because ashley had become obsessed with him it was all very jumbled and confusing and it kept changing So police were very suspicious of Sam now, because if he was telling them the truth, then why would his story keep changing up? And also, they just kept catching him in lies. That's when another bombshell hit. He told them that Ashley had been in his car the day before, meaning the day she disappeared. Sam said he didn't bring it up in the first place because he didn't want to implicate himself, because he was innocent. But Ashley had been in his car, and they did have an argument
1: wow okay (laughs) okay explain that one yeah so you're the last person to see her in distress and then you lied about it yes okay go continue get yourself out of this one
0: okay so after their argument sam told police he had left her on the side of the road still alive
1: did he say that are those his words
0: I mean, not directly quoting, but he said, yeah, he said he left her on the side of Radio Range Road and she was still alive.
1: And he said that? Yes. Why would you say that?
0: Because he said he, he left her. And that's the I last time he I left her, her
1: on the side of this road, yep. still alive. Yep. Why do you need to say that?
0: Because he's trying to say, I didn't kill her?
1: Who's saying you did? I mean, like...
0: Are you interrogating me?
1: <laughs> not. Nah, yeah. Well, I am now. Right. You are Sam. Yeah. I, I latched onto that. It's weird. No, it's super weird. His story at that point was they fought
0: because Sam told Ashley that their relationship was over. Ashley was supposedly kicking and screaming in his car to the point where she was basically attacking him. And because of that, Sam got angry, pulled the car over, and physically pulled her out of the car before he drove off without her. So. Not only is he saying he left her on the side of the road, but he is saying I got physical with her and pulled her out of the car, and it was a pretty pretty much a violent argument. But he did say Ashley attacked me, as if that makes any. Yeah, makes and it any she better. was
1: calling me too.
0: Right, exactly, and she was obsessed with me. Okay, whatever. Maybe you're projecting, Samuel. Actually, it's not Samuel; it's Samson. <laughs> so the police wanted to know. If that was true, then why was he out dancing if all of that happened? Wasn't he worried about Ashley's well-being, a girl you're romantically involved with? Aren't you worried about this 17-year-old you left on the side of the road? So he told them that he didn't want to drive by that road again because if for some reason she had been run over and was dead in a ditch, he wouldn't be able to handle seeing that. This is literally what he said. He said, if she was dead in a ditch, I couldn't handle seeing that. He told investigators that he had a very weak stomach for gory movies. Like, specifically, he, bought up, he brought up Texas Chainsaw Massacre and then said that if he had seen her dead, he would feel horrible. Does this make a shred of sense? Also, why are you saying she's dead? Who said she was dead?
1: Bro, yeah we keep coming back to that what's going on here right and how stupid is this guy
0: i mean how stupid can you be you literally like you're just laying it on so thick you're like i couldn't handle seeing a dead body i have such a weak stomach for gory movies tech texas chainsaw massacre made me sick like what do you think you're doing do you think you're pulling one over on the police you sound like an idiot and a psycho
1: yeah i mean where did we start with like
0: he started by saying they we were are... only friends, and he has only ever given her a goodbye hug. And now he's yeah. like, if she were dead in a ditch, I couldn't handle it.
1: Dude, you uh, you lost your credibility like five statements ago.
0: Way, bo- yeah, way earlier. So this was quite a stretch. I mean, he he went from leaving a girl who he was romantically involved with on the side of the road, and now, in his mind, she's dead in a ditch.
1: And she's 17.
0: Yes, If for whatever reason she had been struck by a car, whoever hit her would have called an ambulance because that's what people do. But Ashley was still missing.
1: Are they gonna search his house?
0: I don't know if they can do that quite yet, but they're basically just trying to get him to crack because they're like, this guy is guilty.
1: If he doesn't have an alibi, this is like really, I feel like a judge would sign off on this maybe. I'm not a cop.
0: Yeah, I don't know. This interview went on for hours. And after drilling him over and over, he latched onto the leaving her on the side of the road story, and he wasn't budging. However, their luck changed when Sam took a quick bathroom break. So in the hallway, on the way back from the bathroom, Sam ran into the department's lead detective, Steven Johnson, in the hallway. Steven Johnson had known Sam Shelton previously because Sam was a part of their law enforcement explorer program that he did through the Boy Scouts. So since they ran into each other, Johnson decided to take over the interview thinking maybe a familiar face would make Sam feel more at ease and willing to share the truth. 20 minutes into the interview with Steven Johnson, he pulled out the big guns. And by the big guns, I mean he started talking about Sam's grandma. Because Steven Johnson knew Sam from the Boy Scouts program, and he knew that Sam lived with his mother and his grandmother, and he knew that what grandma says goes. So he's like, let's talk about grandma, Sam, basically. Grammy. No, literally. Johnson essentially told Sam that he knew he was lying and his grandma wouldn't be proud of him in that moment. I'm not not joking. He's
1: evoking grandma's shame.
0: Yeah, he's pulling out the grandma guns. So at that point, he literally said, quote, if I left from here and I went and talked to grandma right now and I lay down this whole story that you're saying, what's grandma going to say?
1: That is a direct quote. What's grandma going to say, Samson?
0: And that's when Sam told Johnson that he just wanted to go home and tell his mother and grandma what happened. So keep in mind, still no concern for Ashley here. He's just worried that he's going to get in trouble with Granny. Okay? So Johnson doubled down.
1: He's 27. Yes. He, like, pays taxes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. He's, like, fully a teacher.
1: Right. Yeah, Yeah, sure.
0: No, totally. Johnson then doubled down and said, Grandma's not here. Your mom's not here. But everything that your grandma has taught you is inside you, in your heart. So tell the truth for grandma. Okay. (laughs) He, He then left the room for a moment. Once he got Sam to the point where he was literally crying and he knew, and he knew then that he was about to crack. When Johnson came back in the room, Sam told him that he'd show the officer what had happened, but he'd have to take him there. Okay. So this is getting really bad, really intense. But after more than 12 hours of interrogation, the truth finally came out. And I just want to give a bit of warning here. What actually happened to Ashley is absolutely awful. Sam had met with Ashley and she did refuse to get out of his car because they were basically in the middle of nowhere. And she was like, you need to drive me back to my car, essentially. So he pulled her out of the car and he used one of his wrestling chokeholds to drag her out. She was resisting and trying to fight back as he had her in the chokehold, which is when Sam said he heard a really loud pop, and then Ashley went limp. At that point, Sam believed that he had broken her neck. Instead of calling 911 and getting her immediate help, like any decent human being would do, he decided he'd take her out into the middle of the woods and make it look like someone had strangled her to death. He dragged her body quite a distance into the woods of Citizens Park, but when he threw her on the ground, he saw that she was still moving and was clearly still alive. He strangled her first with his hands, but when that didn't work, he took his belt off of his pants, put it around her neck as she was laying on her stomach on the ground, and started pulling as hard as he could from behind her. He said he couldn't bear to look at her as he did it and turned his head away. But when Sam had heard basically a death gurgle from Ashley, he looked down and saw that she had turned a really terrible sickly color and her tongue had been protruding from her teeth, as well as foam had come out of her mouth. Ashley looked dead, but as he looked closer, he saw that she was still breathing. He took his belt and and again put it around her neck, but this time he pulled as hard as he could while stepping on her back with his foot. He pulled so hard that his belt broke. Once his belt broke, he repositioned her to her back, and once again he strangled her with his hands until she stopped breathing, and there wasn't any more foam coming out of her mouth. At that point he decided he had finished the job covered her with some leaves, and left her there for dead. And then he went out dancing.
1: I mean, I don't know what to say.
0: No, I. it just makes me so unbelievably sick that someone could do this, and he had every opportunity to get her help. You know, if he thought he broke her neck and panicked and was like, I need to make it look like someone murdered her, that's already bad enough. But when he took her out into the woods and saw that she was still alive... He had, again, every opportunity to get her the help that she needed, and he didn't. And not only did he not, but he attempted to kill her in the in one of the worst ways. Like, a very personal, like... Heinous. Heinous way. This was a person that Ashley had been intimate with. A person she considered a friend. Someone she trusted. Sam is six feet tall. Around 200 pounds and a wrestler, whereas Ashley was a skinny 5'7, seven, 17 year old. Police told Sam he needed to take them to Ashley's body so they could bring her home to her family, because at this point, everyone fully expects Ashley to be dead, which is when Sam took them to the woods surrounding Citizens Park. It was very dark at that point. It was around 2 a.m. on the 29th of April. It was a rainy night, and it was very cold. And as the police trudged around in the thick woods with Sam, nothing was turning up. This was a very difficult search. It was pitch black, the trees were densely packed, and there had been a lot of undergrowth. After around 20 to 30 minutes of searching, Officer Stephen Johnson started to question whether Sam had brought them to the right place or if he was lying again. It had been 30 hours since Ashley's brutal attack. So police were looking for a body, not a living person. But finally, in a small clearing, someone's flashlight fell onto Ashley's crumpled body under some leaves. She had been found laying on her back with thousands of insect bites all over her body. Finding her like that, she was, police said, quote-unquote, obviously deceased. Police started processing the scene, taking photos of the scene and of Ashley, but in that moment, someone saw her chest slightly rise and fall. She blinked and her hand twitched. She was alive. Police were completely stunned. She was barely hanging on to life at that point, but she was alive. They immediately called for an ambulance and investigators started talking to her, but she was completely unresponsive. She was extremely injured. She couldn't move, she couldn't speak, and most of them there didn't even think she would make it out of the woods alive. EMTs rushed to the scene. When they finally got her into a neck brace and onto an ambulance, she was freezing cold and barely breathing. Although she had made it out of the woods, her prognosis was very bad. Ashley was flown to St. Louis Hospital and was put into an induced coma because her injuries were so extreme. That was just the beginning of a very long and incredible recovery, but we'll talk about that in a little bit. Sam Shelton had been taken back to the police station, because at that point he had confessed and led them to Ashley's body. So he was charged with attempted first-degree murder. Police checked Sam's body for defensive wounds because he had said they had a fight where she was kicking and screaming and attacking him, but unsurprisingly, he had not a single scratch on him. After confessing to an extremely heinous crime and finding Ashley the way she was, Sam wanted to know if he'd be able to get his contact solution so he could take his contacts out and get his toothbrush. The officer sitting with him was like no you
1: can't yeah no you can get in a jail cell
0: and then sam was like i can't even take my contacts out and then he asked if he'd be able to get a private toilet in jail because he can't pee in front of people he said he has a urinary stress disorder and he'll quote be miserable if he can't pee i'm sorry good you (laughs) i'm sorry you'll be miserable if you can't pee um I'm pretty sure you have no right saying you'll be like, I I can't, you know what I mean?
1: (laughs) I don't know. This was, I I, 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 can't
0: form a sentence. You just made this girl, this 17 year old, the most miserable. I mean, that's an understatement. She will ever be in her life. Like you, you not being able to pee in a private toilet. How fucking dare you? Like I, it makes me so angry. I can't even form words. Like,
1: I mean, I I feel like this is like, psychopathic behavior. Like yeah. he just doesn't care.
0: Yeah, no, he has no remorse, no care, but, nothing.
1: But he's also just seems like dumb.
0: I wouldn't even give him that satisfaction or not satisfaction, but that excuse. Like he's not dumb, he just doesn't care. He's only self he's only concerned with himself. He literally just attempted to murder a girl and left her out there for 30 hours and he's concerned if he can take his contacts out. Yeah. He, and not only did he do all of those things, but he led police to her, saw her there, and still not an ounce of remorse. I can't yeah, wrap my he head had around
1: that. Uh, he had the whole Texas Chainsaw Massacre monologue yeah, earlier. How
0: it would make his how it would make his stomach turn. He, he Whatever, can't handle dude. it. Shut up. Like, he's a psycho. So when he said he'd be miserable if he couldn't pee, this officer literally scoffed at him and said, I don't know if they'll be able to do that, but I'll tell them that's what you want because that's all he could really say. So this little self-absorbed fuck, he just wanted to go potty in peace. He can't do it. Great. After he was charged, his bail was posted and originally was set at a million dollars. However, he was able to get it down to 800,000. And because of that, he actually was able to post bail and get out of jail and be on house arrest as he waited for trial how did he get 800k who knows maybe grandma you know he was on house arrest but he was in the comfort of his own home for basically a full year before trial which really freaking sucked and on top of that he pled not guilty of course. Which is rich because he fully confessed to everything and literally brought police to her body, but...
1: I got This is kind of good for the prosecution, though, because if he pleads not guilty and they convict, he goes away for longer and he doesn't get to, like, plea out to 20 because he didn't do it, you know? Yeah. It's attempted murder, you know? Right.
0: While under house arrest, police got a call to Sam Shelton's house because he had attempted suicide. He had taken prescription pills with jaeger and written on his chest in red marker do not resuscitate when paramedics arrived on the scene sam seemed unresponsive but when they started to work on him he came to in a complete rage he actually kicked a nurse in the face and as they got him into the hospital he spat at a guard and was racially abusive to another nurse Steven Johnson said he doesn't believe this was an actual suicide attempt. He thinks it was a stunt to potentially gain sympathy for him, to help him in court. It is possible, obviously, that it was a genuine attempt. Mental health is no joke, and a suicide attempt shouldn't be looked at lightly just because someone terrible did it. But that being said, police and prosecution didn't seem to think he was actually trying to go through with it, but no one can really say.
1: Yeah, doesn't really matter either.
0: Right. Because of that, his mental well-being was questioned, but he was found competent to stand trial, which he never ended up even having to do, but we will get to that in a second. Let's talk about Ashley. Ashley's recovery was unbelievable. To say she is a fighter is an understatement. She was in a coma for around two months and then spent another two months in the hospital after waking up. She suffered a brain injury in the attack, so when she woke up, she needed to relearn everything. How to talk, how to swallow, how to move, how to walk. Everything. This was an extremely long and hard battle. Her brain relapsed many times, which made her road to recovery very slow and difficult both of Ashley's parents took lengthy leaves from their respective jobs to take care of their daughter. And during the months after she had woken up, they created a kind of sign language with their daughter to be able to communicate with her.
1: Wow, that's kind of incredible. Yeah. They made up their own language.
0: Yeah. May 23rd, 2006, she was released from the hospital to a rehabilitation center in her community and finally came home from there on June 22nd, 2006. But this case never even made it to trial, which is why Sam never had to go to trial because no one did. So Sam Shelton actually took a plea deal, which would keep his case out of court and give him 20 years in prison, which is exactly what you said earlier. And I tried not to spoil it. Here we are. Yes.
1: Was I right or was I right?
0: You were right. Shelton's family claimed they had reluctantly accepted the plea deal due to the demonization of Sam in the media and because they were afraid he wouldn't get a fair trial.
1: Um, guys, Can
0: you hear my eyes guys, rolling? Like, truly.
1: Please, grandma, stop it.
0: It was mom, but grandma mom, probably too.
1: Stop it. Right. Please, like, he confessed, led them to her. It's open and shut. Yeah. You pled out because it was it, better I don't for know, him. Better for him. He yeah. missed life or the death penalty. Literally, yes. And he's twenties I mean, what, he'll be like 28, 29 when he stands trial. He'll get out before he's 50.
0: Yep. Sam's mom said, quote, Sam Shelton's family and friends know the incident with Miss Reeves was an accident. Excuse me,
1: the incident, meaning attempted murder.
0: Yes. And the incident with Miss Reeves was an accident, but we reluctantly support Sam's decision to plead guilty. That's what she said. She also went on to say that she acknowledges that her son hurt Ashley, thought she was dead, and tried to cover it up, but as far as she's concerned, that doesn't make it attempted murder. I'm sorry. What other thing could be considered attempted murder if not that?
1: I mean, I understand that having your son do this is probably something that's very difficult to go through, and then you would absolutely, you know you would probably be in denial, right? Well, sure, for a but... long time. But this is ridiculous. Yes. You're contesting a definition.
0: Yes. But in the same vein, yes, it's definitely difficult, I'm sure, to have your, your child do something like this. But shouldn't that give you empathy for the other person? Because that person was someone's child too. Like this was a 17-year-old girl. So like just the way that you're feeling so much pain that your son could do something so heinous, don't you think you would feel a million times worse if your child was the one who was almost murdered? Does that make sense? That that was like...
1: No, it makes sense. Like,
0: who do you think you are? How entitled can you be to be like, my son is not a bad person, even though he hurt Ashley and left her for dead? That's not attempted murder. My son is a good (laughs) man.
1: didn't just hurt her
0: right exactly he didn't just hurt her yeah, right, exactly. he he multiple times you
1: gotta you gotta wake up you yeah. know
0: she was also asked in an interview whether she was disappointed that her son had never apologized to ashley and she said no not in this case no
1: okay we've heard enough from her
0: we've heard quite enough this is the, just ridiculous I mean, she's delusional enough. she's stupid anyway Sam got way lesser of a sentence than he should have. He got only 20 years, as we know. And if he had gone to court, he would have been looking at 60 years in prison. So he made out like a bandit. He was also never charged for the assault on the medical professionals who cared for him during his time in the hospital. So truly, he's really got a much lesser sentence than they he should have. They didn't charge him for that? I guess not.
1: Dude, I mean... It may- must have
0: been part of the plea deal or something, but or they didn't press Maybe. charges. Or they
1: probably would have let him serve it concurrently anyway maybe
0: yeah I don't know but Ashley and her family were actually okay with this outcome because as far as Ashley was concerned she just wanted this whole thing to be over and if it never went to court then she would never have to testify and potentially be ripped apart on the stand because as we know defense attorneys or prosecution depending on the case can be very difficult to deal with as a victim so You know, this is what she wanted, so therefore it's fine. But in court, at his sentencing, when asked if he'd like to address the court or Ashley, he said no. Ashley said she is very glad that it is all over. She wanted everything to be over and not have to think about it anymore, which I completely understand. Sam Shelton is currently... 42 or 43 and is incarcerated at Henry C Hill Correctional Center in Illinois where he's been for the past 15 years and will be eligible for parole in 2024. So it's really coming up. He's never shown any remorse nor has he apologized for what he has done ever.
1: Okay. Well, I mean at least he didn't get out early on good behavior. Yeah, I, I guess think they, I feel like they usually get out at like 12.
0: Yeah. I guess there's some kind of silver lining. But on the bright side, Ashley has no memory of the attack. She has no memory from the days before the event and obviously no memory from the weeks after since she was in a coma. But what she does remember is that it wasn't Sam who wanted to end the relationship. It was her. Which means that this attack wasn't spurred from her refusing to leave his car because she didn't want to break up. It was because she was ending the relationship with him. Not that that really makes it any better or different or you know whatever but it's just like are you fucking, like literally she was the one that wanted it to be over i know it's just it's just all bad you know yeah. but in her recovery she proved every single person wrong time and time again doctors told ashley's family that if she survived if she woke up from the coma she would be almost definitely completely paralyzed for the rest of her life She said one of the most monumental moments for her in her recovery was when she learned to drink water again, because she literally had to relearn everything, but that first time she took a sip of water was huge for her. She needed to go through months of extremely painful and challenging rehab and treatments to be able to move her body again, but today Ashley has regained full use of her body.
1: That's amazing. Isn't that amazing? That's so crazy that she didn't know how to drink water. She couldn't I mean,
0: drink water. She couldn't eat. She couldn't talk. She couldn't move her body at all. And now she can do all of those things. She can walk on her own. She can obviously talk and eat and she's completely able-bodied again.
1: Yeah, but I just, I can't even place that mentally what it feels like to wake up from a coma and not know anything. It's almost like you're born again. Yeah. And I don't know if it was close enough to where she is now that she remembers that. But I just...
0: Remembers what?
1: That feeling in that time. Like when you wake up from the coma and oh, don't yeah. know how to do anything. I mean, it's just such a... It's got to be so surreal. Like, do are you even thinking? Of like, course. Uh, she was well, basically you speak, trapped like, in her do brain. You, like, yeah. Do you like form thoughts in your brain? You of just course. can't do them? Yeah. Oh, I don't know.
0: I mean, I would imagine she was completely, like, she remembers everything after she woke up from the coma, but, you know, she had to relearn how to do everything. I'm I'm assuming she still knew how to, like, think because she was able to communicate using that sign language with her parents. And also, I mean, this was in the Lifetime movie about her story, but during her Recovery in this movie, she would, you know, blink once for yes, twice for no kind of thing. So she was still able to like think, like, she wasn't brain dead. Uh, Okay. But it was just like she had to relearn everything. I mean, I can't imagine that.
1: Yeah. I'm just so curious what her experience through that was.
0: Yeah. But she did it. She really fought, like, truly fought. And she is back to, you know, having full control of her body, which is incredible. She graduated from school in 2007, and now she is 39. She has two children, a full-time job working as a caregiver, and volunteers at a center for violence prevention. In 2017, she visited the site of her rescue with Elizabeth Smart as a part of the Crime Watch Daily episode and said, quote, It's kind of hard to believe that this is actually where I was for that long and in that condition. It makes me feel like maybe I am as tough as everyone says I am. I'm a fighter and I just keep wanting to push myself harder and harder. With the exception of that 2017 interview she did with Elizabeth Smart, Ashley has tried to put the whole thing behind her. Um, she said she's glad it's over with and just wants to continue on with her life and not worry about it. Um, and like I said, there is a Lifetime movie about her attack called Left for Dead, the Ashley Reeves story. Although for the most part, she lives her life out of the spotlight. Ashley said she does feel it's important to share stories like this, though. And she said to people in situations like this who want to give up, she says it's important not to give up on yourself. There are bigger and better things out there. She has gone through plenty of hardships, but every day she just keeps fighting. And that is the story of Ashley Reeves.
1: Wow. I mean, what an attitude to come out of that with. Yeah. And she absolutely is tough as everyone says she is if not more definitely 100 percent. but yeah i mean she deserves privacy and i'm glad that she's you know got two kids she's volunteering she's got a job she's got a life
0: oh yeah she's doing great it seems let her go live it absolutely
1: for christ
0: but yeah i mean when i heard about her story and learned about her recovery it just really made me feel like she is the epitome of a survivor like it
1: 30 hours
0: 30 hours left out there months months of recovery and relearning everything like i can't i can't imagine that kind of fight you'd have to like have in you to be able to make it through that
1: um, yeah so incredible yeah there's also, just yeah also i can't imagine being asked to do algebra again after that shit.
0: like going back to high school yeah you have to yeah. relearn
1: no you you're you've, like you've lived a million really guys. Years.
0: <laughs> yeah. No, this is, that's quite enough. I, but she did it. She graduated. Yes. Yeah, Not only did she graduate, she graduated like
1: quickly after. Yeah. Now this happened in 2006. She was graduated in 2007. Yeah.
0: She was a junior in high school when it happened and she graduated on time. Like that. She says, graduated on time. I mean, she graduated in 2007. That's a year later.
1: That is insane. Isn't
0: that insane? Yeah. Yeah.
1: So I don't know. I feel like we need to take a moment for that. I mean, that is truly insane. I've been taking a moment for that. <laughs> She had to learn to drink water. I know. And she didn't skip a beat.
0: No. She basically took the summer off to relearn how to be like able-bodied. It's insane. But that's her story. Shall we move on to our good things? Have a bit of a palate cleanser?
1: Well, my good thing this week is leaning into the boomer that I truly am. Uh-huh. Because I'm excited about the new socks I got. Good. They're, they're nice.
0: Yeah, they're they new- are.
1: And I now I don't have to do laundry for another few days. Every week. Love that. It's I'm great.
0: I'm wearing a pair right now.
1: <laughs> yeah, as you are benefiting as well. Sure. I am. got one for you, one for me. Yep. Love it. And you know what? I feel like people have always slept on socks as a Christmas gift. I've wanted them for the past three years.
0: No, literally they're like, I got socks. And I'm like, I got socks? I know. <laughs> I love socks. Smile about it. No, new socks. I'm I'm actually asking for like nicer socks, like dress socks kind of thing. Mm. Mom, I know you're listening. Dress Lame. socks.
1: <laughs> dress socks. No, it's like athletic socks, yeah. fuzzy socks. Yeah. Incredible. Good. We forget. Shut up. <laughs> that feeling of a nice new sock on the foot. Damn, you we,
0: love we that forget. You love that first toe
1: point? We forget. <laughs>
0: Shut up. <laughs> My good thing is you guys. Can it be? Can it be our listeners? Because it's um, Spotify Wrapped, can I be nah. a little bit like gross around the holidays? Let's be gross. I love you all so much. I really, tr- I really, truly appreciate all of you. Anyway, I won't be too gross about it. But anyways, thank you all so much for listening. And if you would like to look at all the pictures we post of all the stories we talk about, check us out on Instagram at nottoday underscore podcast. If you would like to. Check out our new bonus episode that should be coming out soon. Check us out on Patreon at patreon.com slash nottodaypodcast. If you or anyone you know has a story of survival or something crazy that's happened to you, send it to nottodaypodcast at gmail.com. We have a TikTok that is Not Today podcast and a Twitter that is Not Today podcast, but the T on the end of podcast is a
1: three. Because that makes sense.
0: And just keep breathing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.